Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips, and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge, and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. As we all know, investing in commercial property can be really rewarding. That's why we're here, right? But it's not without its challenges. If you're new to the game, I want to make you aware of the common mistakes that can lead to failure. I'm going to quickly go over some of the key reasons I think new commercial property investors struggle to make this work. By highlighting some of these pitfalls, I hope this will help you to avoid them. Making one of these mistakes might be okay, but two or more could be terminal for your investing business. So they are really important. Now, before I go any further, I have to say there are really two lists. The one I'm going to cover today is relating to actually buying commercial property. So these are mistakes relating to the process of actually taking on buildings. There is a whole other list, though, about why investors actually fail to get to that stage. The list for failing to get over the starting line is fairly extensive, and a lot of these reasons are based around fear and mindset issues. For example, some people don't actually get out and do viewings because they're scared of not asking the right questions and appearing a bit of a fool in front of a commercial agent or the owner. So they spend a lot of time analysing and analysing some more from behind a keyboard just to make sure they're perfectly ready but they never quite find a property that seems to be right to go and look at. Unfortunately, for some, that means the day just never comes for a viewing, let alone a purchase. Now, that certainly reduces the risk, but where's the fun in that? So today, I want to talk about five basic reasons people come unstuck when actually adding commercial property to their portfolios. Because some people don't have the inhibitions and they're not as scared. They just go on and get it done. But these are not technical mishaps that come up, but orientated around some more of the fundamentals that we need to have in place. So as we go through these, keep asking yourself, am I dealing with this one? Or do I really need to brush up on that element of my game? First one, not doing full and proper homework. One of the biggest mistakes new investors make is not properly researching the property they're hoping to invest in. They just don't do enough due diligence. Perhaps they've got too emotionally involved. It's the first one, it's the second one. It looks like a great deal. The numbers seem right. Let's just get it done. The seller's putting pressure on me. I need to get this deal done. But the challenge is they're maybe not looking into the full dynamics of the location or the real underlying condition of the property. So they don't have a really good handle on the potential for future growth or the true cost of renovating. You see, without this information, you could end up with a property that doesn't really attract any customers or not particularly ones that want to pay a good rate, which really could generate some pretty poor returns for you, particularly if the properties ended up costing more than you first anticipated. So, for example, if you don't research the local market and you end up buying a property in an area that's not really going anywhere fast, you could see the rental income coming down and a decrease in the property value. To avoid this, it's really important to do the due diligence, of course, and gather as much information as you possibly can about the property and the area it's in. 
And this includes researching that local market. One of the things we talk about a lot and finding out where the gaps are in the demand and supply matrix. And of course, looking at the local economy to see if it's growing or dropping. You see, in a flat economy, it is harder to operate, but it's not impossible. If you understand where the demand is and where the lack of supply is, it's possible to create a product that will attract customers from other buildings. So the pie doesn't need to be getting any bigger, it's just your share that's getting bigger. So some investors really don't take the time to consider the condition of the property, right? And including things like the state of the roof, the energy performance, and the condition of the utilities, things like the electric circuits, the plumbing, as these are all really quite important and they can affect your ability to generate a decent income from the property, particularly if you end up spending a lot more than you thought on redeveloping it. And by the way, there is no secret hidden formula for doing due diligence. That's what I've worked out. <laughs> this, there isn't an exact science. People talk about it all the time, oh, you must do due diligence, you must do due diligence. And you're like, okay, what does that involve? And it will vary from building to building, but some of the fundamentals will be common to all. You're really trying to understand how the building operates, both in terms of as an entity itself, physically can it operate, how much is it going to cost to, do, to make this thing work better, understanding the supply and demand matrix and working out where the gaps are and whether you can orientate this building towards providing a solution to those gaps, and of course understanding what the local economy is doing. So the macroeconomics and all the noise that goes on, yeah, that's important to listen to, but it's not as critical as the local stuff. And that's really where the due diligence comes in at that level and of course there are other elements and I'm going to come on to later about using experts to do the due diligence about the legals and about the title and all that sort of stuff but from your point of view it's just getting a clear clear picture of all the different mechanics that go on with that property in that local market so the next section here is about having a clear investment strategy so it's quite a common mistake really people often don't have that clear plan for how they're going to generate income from a particular property. It's, it's that emotional thing, this just looks great, this is a great deal, I can't believe this is so inexpensive, but there might be a reason for that. And this is all about having a clear investment criteria. We really focus on this at uh, CPI, Commercial Property Investors. Without a clear strategy, you're more likely to make impulsive decisions that don't really align with your goals. So it's easy to get carried away with the emotions, but actually having investment criteria and sticking to it helps you make clearer decisions. So for example, if you're not sure whether to refurb and rent out a property or flip it on, but you still buy it, you could end up making costly mistakes that prevent you from actually achieving either. So to avoid this, you need to maybe get back to the basics, have a really clear understanding of your goals and how you plan to achieve them. If you're looking to generate passive income, for example, renting out the property on an FRI lease, full repair insurance lease, is likely to be one of the better options. But if you're looking at making a higher margin, then it might be multi-let. Or if you're looking at making a quick profit, which is almost an oxymoron in commercial property, then flipping the property on might be the way to go. And bearing in mind, you might have a strategy that is, well, actually, I'm not going to buy property. I'm actually going to take an option on the property 
I'm going to bring a new client to the building, a new occupier, and I'm going to sell on that option. So actually, your strategy is really very clear and you're not getting diverted or distracted into other things because what you're trying to do is not buy and have big capital outlays. You're just looking at finding deals and making a match between customers and properties and all that lovely stuff and then selling on the option. Very clear. But if you haven't got that as your strategy, and maybe one or two others, but if you've got lots and lots of ideas but no, nothing concrete, it's just going to make decision-making really difficult. So underestimating property management. This is my next one. A lot of new investors don't really realize that there is actually some work that goes into managing commercial property, despite what some people say. Some people say it's so passive, the tenant looks after everything. Da -da. Yeah, you still have to deal with the tenants. Somebody's got to collect the rent. There's still maintenance. At some point, a tenant will leave. And of course, there'll be legal issues too, which can all be a bit of a hassle. So without the proper experience, how are we going to deal with that? Well, it might be difficult to keep up with it on our own when we get started. So, I mean, there's an example. It might be that the, the legal requirements for evicting a tenant are completely new to you. You could end up in a pretty prolonged and costly legal battle if you don't go and get some advice and support. Or you don't have somebody managing the property to avoid getting to the lawyer stage. It is just the same as residential, though. You need to understand where your knowledge gap is and get the right guidance. And I'm going to come on to that in a little bit. But getting to grips with the work involved in managing a property is really going to be important, even if it is on the FRI lease. It includes things like the, the legal and the compliance requirements for renting out property and having a plan in place for dealing with maintenance and repair issues. If the property is multi-let, then that will become even more relevant because there'll be communal areas that then need maintenance or repair. And it might be that those are charged back to the customers that are in the building through a rent or through a service charge, but nevertheless, somebody's going to have to deal with that and administer that. So you could consider hiring an external property manager to help you with these tasks, much like you do with Resi. We might have an estate agent looking after the property or a letting agent, sorry. But if you're not planning on rolling up your sleeves, then this is critical. So property agents can help, or if the building is actually big enough, then maybe you could hire someone to exclusively look after the running of the building, right? But the point is, despite what some say, there will be some management time required, and don't underestimate the cost of that. It could be critical. And that's why sometimes some investors seem to just get stuck because they didn't actually put into their numbers and their time calculations about what it actually takes to manage somebody's properties. Hold on, just before we go on, have you heard of SAS Pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to directly influence their own pension pot, including using it to buy commercial property. Imagine wrapping a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. It's possible with a SAS pension. That's a small, self-administered scheme, by the way, now, I'm not an advisor on the mechanics of how they work, so when setting up my own, I found an expert to help me out. Paul Barry of SAS Consultants guided me through the process and answered all of my questions and made sure I knew what I was getting into and that it aligned with my long-term goals. SAS and commercial property investing really work well together. If you want to dig into the details of how a SAS pension can work for you, then get in touch with Paul for a free chat. It takes time to understand the nuances of SAS pension rules, and Paul helped us every step of the way. You'll find his details in the show notes. The next one, the fourth one, is not having enough funds in place. So investing in commercial property can involve 
chunky numbers, as we know. There are some smaller deals out there, of course. But you need to have enough money to cover the costs. And that's not just buying it. That's redeveloping it and maintaining the property. Now, sometimes you might get clever about how you raise that money and then make a further raise later. But you're going to need to have an allowance in your calculations for things like the lease-up period. And this is where you're finding tenants or a tenant and there's vacancy or there's less income and you've not got past break-even point. So how long is it going to take to get to break-even? And usually you'll have to double that. And before you get to that point, the building will be losing money. So you need to factor that in. There's a burn rate there going on. How much is it going to cost me to get to break even? So without the necessary capital and input for all these different things, you might be forced to take on more debt, which invariably is at a higher cost, which is going to eat into your margin. So it's better to try and get that worked out at the start. And it's really important to have that clear understanding of your own financial situation and some of the limitations before diving into the next commercial property. Have a, a full, frank and honest evaluation of your financial situation and work out exactly how much capital you're going to need, plus some. And don't forget the extra costs, such as um, the legal costs, right? The property surveys, the commercial surveyor coming out, potentially some other structural surveys, the finance costs, property taxes, including VAT, which you may be able to claim back, and insurance. So apart from the finance costs, i.e. the cost for setting up the 1% or 2% or whatever they're going to charge you for setting up the, the finance, that could be put onto your loan. Sometimes it's put onto the term loan. But all the other ones I mentioned there, they're all upfront costs, and you can't really borrow for those, at least not explicitly for those. So you just have to factor that in. Right, okay, well, I thought I needed a deposit of £20,000, but actually, I'm going to need the legal fees, the survey fees, the property taxes for doing the purchase, potentially some VAT, which I might be able to claim back later, and the insurance, all up front. Some people just don't actually factor that in until it's a little bit too late and then they're scrambling around trying to find that money and it could become a bit more expensive. So I mentioned earlier on about surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you with stuff like legal. So let's just dive into that. This is about having the right team in place. And when I first started, especially in residential, I definitely had the mindset of, well, I'm quite practical. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do all this myself. Now, I wasn't thinking I'm going to go and do all the legal stuff myself, right? But a lot of the other stuff, I'm trying to manage, organize, deal with myself, whether it's finding tenants or dealing with refurb or contractors or maintenance, all these different things. But investing in commercial property is definitely not a solo career. It does require a team of professionals with expertise in all sorts of different areas to keep things on track. And without the right team place, you may struggle to make the right decisions, and you're more likely to make mistakes. It could have been avoided if you paid for the right advice. That isn't to say all advice is good advice, and that goes for the price tag too. So just bear in mind, the whole process when you're managing your own business is to seek advice, get lots of, uh, and hesitate to use the word opinion, but get some um, insights from other people. But ultimately, you have to make the decision because the only person that's going to be left after everything is said and done is you. It's like having all your contractors in doing your redevelopment 
and they're all telling you how this should work and how that works and why they want to do it this way instead of the way you said it. But when the job is done and they all leave, you're the one left with the building. So you've got to get it done the right way. Now, I have covered the power team on a previous podcast, but just as a quick reminder, let's just nip through a couple of the ones I think you're going to need. And imagine not having some of these professionals on your team. Some of you might even be sheepishly nodding your head that, yeah, I don't actually have that one. So let's just run through that. A commercial agent, a local commercial agent. You need to have someone who's on your team here that's helping you, that has a knowledge and experience of the local market. And this doesn't have to be one person. It could be a, a, a number of different commercial agents you have different relationships with. But you need some people that you can call on to just have those discussions about market information. Maybe even um, contracting them to help you with negotiating deals or finding investment opportunities. But commercial agents, local ones, are really important. The next one is the commercial lawyer. As I said, there's no negotiating on this one. It's essential to have a lawyer to deal with all the legal aspects of the purchase up front and the ongoing stuff like contracts and handling any potential legal issues that come up. And it's important to say, though, that a generalist might not be the best thing. In fact, to be fair, most lawyers would not count themselves as generalists, but most are specialists. So make sure you have the right specialism. In law, there'll be criminal lawyers, family lawyers, commercial lawyers, lawyers involved more in residential real estate. There's all sorts of different specialisms make sure that you find one that has the right specialism and maybe not the one that you've been using for something else in your life. Maybe you've been buying residential property and you've had a residential um, lawyer helping with that, conveyancing, and actually they're maybe not best placed to really understand the complexities of commercial. So make sure you get the right person on your team for that one. And then your accountant. Now, yeah, we can maybe do some of our own bookkeeping and that sort of stuff, but ultimately we really need somebody to help here. And the accountant's not just there for managing your year-end accounts. They need to be able to help you navigate the commercial transaction. So this is an accountant that really has specialised in property. They obviously will handle your tax matters and provide advice on appropriate strategies to minimise tax, I guess. But it's amazing how much help the accountant should and could give you for going through the transaction. So just as an example, capital allowances, something a lot of people are excited about in the industry and trying to save themselves tax. And the accounting can certainly help with that, of course. But there's also a sting in the tail about capital allowances, which is when you um, buy a property that the previous owner has gone through that process of claiming capital allowances, that is now going to have an influence on you and your plans and how you're going to develop out the building. And just conversely, if you're selling a property, just bear in mind that that will form part of the negotiations if the other side has a good accountant, of course, and understands capital allowances. It's not always the first thing they talk about. So if you are looking at bringing on maybe a more specialist accountant, ask them, capital allowances. What happens when I sell the building? How does that work? What happens if I claim these capital allowances right now? How is that going to affect my tax return? These are some of the things that you maybe need to use to test out, to find yourself a good accountant. But no matter what, finding somebody who really knows how to understand commercial transactions is definitely going to help save you a bit of bother. 
Now, the last one here I did mention earlier on is the property manager, somebody who's going to look after all intricacies of running your property. Now, if you lack the time, which is a fair thing, right, or the expertise, then trying to do it yourself can be really problematic and it can lead to effectively failure on this one, just this one right here. Hiring somebody, not necessarily internally, maybe a third party, but hiring someone that can ensure things run smoothly on the day-to-day, including managing customers, maintenance and suppliers, is really important. And I mentioned back at the start they're having a commercial agent. And in those surveying agency practices, there are a few different disciplines, you have to remember. Again, there's not always generalists, so there'll be somebody that maybe deals with lettings. So there's maybe even somebody that just deals with lettings in industrial. You know, it can be quite specialists like that. But this particular one is having someone in there who understands and is regularly managing property. Of course, you could, if the property's big enough, bring in your own team member. So that's where I think in terms of getting some of the right professionals around you to support you, some of the bare minimum, there are lots of other things, as we've said before, and pulling together a reliable and knowledgeable team will really help you navigate around some of these pitfalls make things more efficient, of course, and bring your investments to that optimal level, the level we're all trying to get to. There is, of course, so much more we need to put into the mix, but without the right advisors, things can go wrong really quickly. So ask yourself, are you conducting really thorough due diligence, focusing in on a clear investment criteria, understanding property management requirements, ensuring you've done the right sums, and building a strong team support your portfolio growth. There are other things that are important, such as maybe underestimating the time it can actually take to do deals, underestimating the hassles of dealing with contractors. But, you know, that list is pretty long. But the first part of this really was just to say, look, these ones are fundamental. Get one or two wrong or miss them out and it could spell disaster. Keep them in check and you should stay on the right path. Now, I don't want to make an entirely negative podcast, right? That's just not my style. So remember, if done right, commercial property can really work very well. Part of the brilliance of commercial property is the opaqueness of the market because it hides opportunities in plain sight. And the scale of the upside can be quite considerable because of that opaqueness. So just remember that. Get out in the swim, keep looking for deals that suit your criteria and make sure you pay attention to the potential pitfalls so you can successfully navigate your way to building a great cash flowing portfolio. Now, I hope you've been enjoying the Back to Basics episodes. The episode we recently put out on Monday there about how much deposit do I need for a commercial property has proved really popular. And on next Monday, we have a short episode answering the question, would a CMO property be a good starter building? So for those of you who've been trying to work out where to start, that episode might be a great help. If you have any other questions you'd like us to cover on the shorter episodes, then just drop us a message over on Instagram or via the CPI website, and we'll see what we can do. Finally, a big thank you to the recent reviews on both Spotify and iTunes, plus a number of you have written in separately to show your support and thanks. And we really, we do read every review and email. We really do appreciate them. So thank you for taking the time to let us know how the podcast has helped. And if you haven't done so yet, and it's been on your mind, then please just take a moment right now, drop us a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. 
So thank you so much for listening and we'll speak to you again on Monday. <laughs>